0: The the Tommy Wingles episode, uh, Tommy Wingles playoff tight. legend. Yes, he was <laughs> a lot a lot of big. He was the one who took the uh, the big dirty play from Nazem Kadri in the uh, in one, the, one of the, many. One of many. So for people who don't know this, by the way, I'm Evan Marinovsky. It's Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Uh, Connor, I would ask you how you're doing, but for full disclosure, we actually got like probably like twenty five percent into recording the podcast first time around Uh, and we initially said tommy cross for 57 and then we looked it up and realized he was 56 and that's how we got to tommy wingles uh we ended up having to stop recording there was an audio issue an audio issue always fun when you're recording but uh we were actually just
1: embarrassed that we we didn't we overlooked tommy wingles but the
0: people are probably the people are probably happy because they would have heard like five minutes uh, our five minute thing on tommy cross and then like the 2017 playoffs people have been like just get to the freaking point so you get your wish people you get your wish we're going right to the point we're going right into things um how you doing what's up
1: evan doing well how you doing
0: i'm doing great um so we'll jump right into things because uh, and for the people who are wondering you know did we miss anything that, that you talked about no you missed a thing no, <laughs> of course there. not. There was nothing that was very pressing that we talked about. We discussed Chris Kunitz and the 2017 Penguins and how good the 2017 what Senators were. What a were. great
1: cup run that was.
0: Yes, it was. And that Senators team was a wagon. And as, as you said, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm referring to things as if the people have heard these things. They haven't. Uh, but the 2017 Senators, and you mentioned this uh, on our Cut Short podcast, uh, you mentioned directors that- Cut. The director's Cut. cut. Yeah, the blooper reel. Um, you mentioned that you know that that team is so good at developing talent, and then they leave just a few years later. So yeah, you got to pay these guys. Boop. I mean, they're probably thankful they didn't. They're probably thankful they didn't pay Carlson that money. Yes, because good lord, that is a horrendous contract. And again, he was worth that money at one time. Obviously, not the case uh, anymore. And that Sharks team gone down the tube so fast. Um, okay, Bruins topics. So this episode. Gonna be a lot of cap stuff. Gonna be a lot of money talk, uh, and 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 with that, the most pressing money issue the Bruins currently face—or not money issue, but cap issue—is this Charlie McAvoy contract that they're gonna eventually have to sign and agree on. And he's a free agent after this season. He will be uh, a he will be a RFA. So the Bruins, I don't, aren't gonna go anywhere, but they're gonna to have to come to some agreement. And what's the best case scenario?
1: Well, it depends on who you're asking, you know, in terms of a new contract, what the best case scenario is. If you're asking Charlie McAvoy and his agent, it's probably, you know, looking at the rest of this market and how it's been reset with, you know, guys like Kale McCarr and Worenski and Nurse getting contracts. Um, and if you're asking the Bruins what the best case scenario is, it's probably what we've become accustomed to with the Bruins locking up their franchise stars below market value, which, for McAvoy now, below market value is what? Eight years? Eight million? Eight million. I think if, if they announce something, you know, in a few days that he signs for an average annual value of eight and a half, I think you have to be doing backflips because he's already probably worth more, more than when that payout is. And as much as the, the cap limit's going to be rising pretty slowly over the, the next couple of years, that still contract's going to get better and better as the years go on. So, it's definitely become, I think, a big talking point now. One, because we're at the stage of the offseason where there's not a lot of shit going on. But two, I think you look at it, um, I think Bruins fans were all expecting McAvoy to eventually sign a big contract. But when you factor in the, the fiscal limitations of this market, along with the fact that even with a flat cap, you've got these teams that are spending big bucks on franchise defensemen to lock them up. A couple of guys who aren't, even as good as Charlie McAvoy, it does create the question of, you know, what the ultimate final number is going to be. Because at this point, if you're the Bruins, you're hoping to get a deal done as soon as possible, right? Because um, if you go into the new year, and this is probably what McAvoy and his agent are probably looking at, if you go into the new year um, with the way his stock is, it's only going to continue to rise. Like, as, are people expecting him to hit his ceiling at this point? No. Like, I think a lot of people expect him to once again finish top five in the Norris, Um, over a full 82 game season, he could be a, you know, a 40 point guy, 50 point guy. If he gets more power play reps, like if you're a you play for another year and you cash in. So it's all going to depend on what cashing in entails because we've seen how many times over the years, right? Where the, we're going through contracts and how much guy is worth and the contract gets announced. We look at the AAV and you're like, Oh, oh shit. All right. Well, (laughs) keeps on doing it, but. Sooner or later, that's that. You know, I don't want to say luck, but that that string of signing guys below their market value, it's going to run out eventually. And even if it's not McAvoy's getting Eric Carlson money, you're still looking at it like you know you've got to pay the guy what his market value is. And based on these other contracts you've seen signed, markets going up.
0: Oh yeah, and I think again, every time a Lorensky or a Nurse or a Jones signs an exorbitant deal, that you know those are guys McAvoy is much better than. Um, and that's, that's not great when, when that's, when that's happening because that's just raising his potential asking price. Like, I'm better than these guys. I want to ask for a million more, two million more per year. Um, you mentioned something interesting on Bruins speed, And I think it's, I think this might be actually the worst. I mean, the worst case scenario would be you don't get him signed. The worst case scenario is yes, like, offer sheet. That would be, and, Drexel. and these like the Maple Leafs. Yes, that would be the, the worst case scenario. But, uh, the realistic worst case scenario would be he signs another short term deal. Uh, let's say it's, Two or three years at seven and a half, eight million per, right? And then their whole idea is he's going to cash in when the, when the cap goes up and the TV money kicks in and the pandemics in the past. Do you think there's any chance that happens?
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at kind of what the, the limits are in terms of McAvoy's leverage. And granted, he's got a lot of leverage in that, you know, he's got one top five Norris. You know, finish on his career. He's probably gonna get another one this year, barring anything going haywire. So, um one, yeah, it's probably the best route that he wants to take in terms of negotiating with the Bruins if they want to stay. You know, in this contention window, because I imagine the Bruins don't want to as much as they want to keep him. I think that's number one priority. They'd like to do it without allocating, you know, an eighth of their cap space to him. You know, they don't want to sign him to a ten and a half million dollar contract if that's the the situation then so be it but if you're McAvoy and they're hesitant to do that they're trying to squeeze out whatever is left of this kind of contention window and for you you and your representatives if you look at the market and be like all right well it's gonna you know the cap's gonna jump to 82 and a half million next year the year after that 83 like it's gonna be a slow bump up because you ha- you also have to factor in escrow and things like that but I think Frank Saravelli um had a, a story about kind of mapping out the next couple of years and I think in about four or five years, once the escrow is paid and, and all that fun financial stuff, um, the cap should jump up a little bit more when you've got the broadcast deals in full swing. You got hopefully another good hockey market in Seattle rolling in. So if you're McAvoy, maybe it's better to take that three, four year deal, kind of a, another bridge deal. Granted, probably be eight and a half million, nine million for a bridge deal. And then you hit the market again as an unrestricted free agent when you're, you know, 28, 29 and see what you got there. So I imagine the overall preference is still a long-term deal just for the security aspect of it. But if you're McAvoy, it's definitely a route you can take. And if you're the Bruins, you're kind of stuck in a, a, the, the worst of worst world scenarios, right? Where you're like, all right, we're already paying him eight and a half million. He's the highest paid player on our team, but it's for a bridge deal more or less that we still have to fret about. A couple years down the road, you know, paying a 28 year old McAvoy, and at that point, with the cap the way it is, what's it going to be? 13 million, like, you know, it's so it's it's tough to map out a best case scenario for the Bruins, other than the obvious of long term deal at below market value. Which, who knows? Maybe they they sign a deal next week and we're shocked at looking at that it's an eight and a half million dollar payout, but. Um, if you're McAvoy and you're a representative, I think you have to look at this market and just realize you've got probably a lot more leverage than you thought you had just a few weeks ago.
0: And again, I mean, we've said this so many times, I think with McAvoy, it's a bit different, but paying a defenseman 28, 29, 30 years old, paying them on a seven, eight, nine year, deal, or not nine years, seven or eight year deal can be risky because again, a guy like McAvoy over the next, you know, he's already had a ton of you know, usage already. He's he's only going to increase in, in usage and, and play more minutes and he's going to get more power play time. And just the amount of kind of miles on those legs by the time he's 29, 30 is going to be a lot. Like he'll, he'll still be obviously elite. Uh, and I don't think we expect a drop off, but when you get to 32, 33, 34, you wonder how effective he'll still be. Will that be, you know, if let's say, let's just for the sake of things, you know, you do the bridge deal and then You know, he gets a deal where he's making like 13, uh, 13 and a half million a year, you know, three years from now. Is that going to be super worth it when he's 31 or 32? I mean, it's so hard to project, but I mean, you just look at guys like Drew Doughty and and some others who were, you know, kind of studs early on who got these, you know, very big deals uh, right around their 30th birthday or in the vicinity of. Mm -hmm. You just wonder if that's going to, you know, be worth it with the production. I don't know. But again, I don't expect that to happen with McAvoy. I don't expect, uh, I don't, I wouldn't, I'd be sure I'd, I'd be somewhat surprised if there was the bridge deal. Um, and I would also be very surprised if his place like fell off a ton, uh, okay. you know, years down the road. Um, but that would be a safe bet for McAvoy to make a lot of money. You know, what else is a safe bet to make a lot of money? Our good friends over at bet online.
1: Evan, you're absolutely correct. So listen up guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Red Sox, are uh. not good Patriots training camp is here. And soon the Bruins and the Celtics will be back. And even if you haven't made it back to Fenway or Gillette stadium just yet, you can still be in on the action at bet online. No matter how the schedules change or the that play as the play, Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. And we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to bet online and enter promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me—a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, I got—I gotta say, no one beats that.
0: First source, nobody beats it.
1: So what are you guys waiting for? Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses offers and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook
0: experts. So, McAvoy's contract is the big one of next off season. We expect that to be done well before then. Patrice Bergeron, obviously, is another one. Who is up after uh, this upcoming season? And that's a decision that the Bruins are going to have to make uh, for sure. There's a really big contract, though, up, maybe the biggest, up after uh, the 2022 23 season. So that is uh, two years from now, after two years from now. It'll be discussed a lot the season after this upcoming one. It's hard to label these seasons because we're not really in one, but it, I don't consider no man's land. Yeah, yeah, we're in no man's land. There's no this season. Next season could be 2022-23, 20, but it also kind is technically 21-22. Who knows. Point is it's David Posternock. David Posternock is up uh after the 22-23 season. And now Posternock's a guy who took a huge huge hometown discount back uh was it 2015 or 2016? I'll
1: say 2016.
0: 2016. It was right around Oh, that no, time. it was
1: uh, it was 20 it was 20 September 2017. So I already come off, was 2016. Uh, yeah.
0: So he is currently making 6.66 million per year, which is an incredible, um, value. I mean, that is an underpay, uh, and it was intentional, but a big underpay for him. Um, and he's certainly raised his value. And we expect that value to just kind of continue to go and go and go. Um, you have to wonder, I mean, it's tough to project now, right now, um, in 2022, 23, they'll have 37 uh, million in, not, no, uh, they will have how much in cap they will have about, well, they'll have 37 million tied up in forwards. It's hard to tell how much the cap will be um, a few years out, but are they going to have a cap crunch? Is there going to be an issue? Is there, is it going to be difficult to re-sign David Postrach to all that money?
1: Well, I think when you look at the way the, the, market is set and how the Bruins have their cap flexibility. I I don't think there's going to be an issue in terms of signing him. I think it's going to be the same as like McAvoy, where I think you're going to get them both signed. The issue is how much money you're going to have left over. Right. So I think you, you look at how the Bruins have lucked out over the years of having, you know, Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak all under contract for what is it like combined cap hit of like 18 million, 18, 19 million. And how many times have the Bruins fans dunked on, Toronto, with the amount of cap space they've they've you know relegated to th- three or four guys, right? You're very well could get into a scenario where you're paying, you know, two years down the road, McAvoy and Pastrnak, ten million a year, you know, twenty, you know, have a hefty portion of the cap space just with those guys alone. And I think, yeah, the bigger issue because you look at that by the time you hit that off season, um, you know, obviously Bergeron's contract expiring next year, you'd imagine he's back. You would hope. But at that point, he probably wouldn't be signing for around the same market value you'd expect. Um, you know, they've locked up a lot of their defensemen, but you have to factor in McAvoy's contract, which I think at this point, let's just tab it at nine and a half, 10 million. I think probably if he doesn't sign until next year, it's probably going up. Um, and even when you got, you know, money coming off the books where, you know, by the time Pastor next due to get paid, you've got Felino up, Smith, Howla. All the kind of guys they've signed recently come up. So they should have cap room. It's just, do you have the other space allocated to, you know, build around your team? Because as great as it is having McAvoy and Pasternak as your foundation, a lot of teams would, would kill for that. Having two legit styles like that as your kind of bedrock. Uh, it's not going to help you much if you don't have other guys around them. So I think the bigger issue is going to be just navigating one this year where, you know, you're still – Hopefully they view it as still this win now window where you're trying to make the most of this year. You know, you've signed, you've committed a lot of money to veteran guys on two year deals to kind of help push you over the top. We'll see if that's enough. But um and then you kind of go into an interesting year this upcoming offseason before Possanax do to get paid, where you're gonna have to pay McAvoy. But if there's ever a, a an opportunity for the Bruins to kind of retool you're probably looking at this upcoming off season, this upcoming free agent class. It's almost, you can kind of compare it to the 2006 class where it's, uh, you know, this team kind of was in no man's land, but they had a great free agent class, had money to add guys and it turned their fortunes around. Not to say that you're going to get the next Zdeno Chara, this, you know, franchise, you know, 180 guy there. that's going to, you know, switch things around, but uh if you're a team with cap room going into this next off season, you've got quite a few guys available to to sign, to help you out. So the Bruins are an in- interesting spot where I think we went into this summer thinking they were going to have a lot of cap room, a lot of cap flexibility, probably the wrong year to have that um, because now they're in a spot where it's all right, we've got to, you know, set aside, you know, a hefty amount of money, both for McAvoy and and you know, down the road in a year but you also have so many free agents available this upcoming year that can either address the need that you have right now, or you can sign to long-term deals that could help you years down the road as well.
0: It's so funny to me. I think free agency is one of the most overrated things in sports. However you look at it, you know, it's so hard to build a team through free agency. It never really works. You, know, you see teams, especially in hockey, spend an arm and a leg. Everyone looks at the 2016 crew where they, mm-hmm. you know, all those guys get signed to big deals. None of them worked out, but this free agency class, this free agency class, you could legitimately rebuild your team. I mean, again, I'm just looking at some of the names on here. And this is, you know, excluding the Malkins, the Subans, the Jerus, the Kessels, the big ones at the top. The, the, the uh, legacy players. The legacy players. Um, but you go, I mean, Philip Forsberg is up. Mika Zabenejad. Um, you know, you, you've got uh, Sean Katurier, Barkov. Barkov's another like you have so many options. Thomas, at Thomas,
1: Hurdle, Goudreau. Yep. Defe- if you if you need a defense, oh, Ricard Raquel.
0: That was uh, the other one I was thinking of. Ricard Raquel.
1: Need a defenseman? Hampus Lindholm, Matthias Ekholm, Colton Pareko. <laughs> Colton Pareko, I think, is a free agent.
0: Yep. So yep. if you got Kyle, cap, Kyle Turris. If you really yep. wanted like a you know a, kind of an average type, Nazem uh, Kadri, centerman. Nazem Kadri, you can get Nazem Kadri as well. Adam Fox is a UFA. (laughs) I don't think he'll get to there, but um, there's a lot of options and there's a lot of ways you can sort of rebuild down the middle if you wanted to. I mean, it's completely open. You can, you can do that. Um, Now, again, some of these guys are going to command some money, um, but if you can get some of them on the cheap, do it. I mean, like, that's like, that's why this, this upcoming free agent class thinks gonna be a lot different. And I'm very curious to see what the market's going to be like. What are the prices going to be of these guys? What are guys going to be making? Who's going to set the market? Cause again, I don't, I don't know, you know, if Philly has drew and Couturier up in the same off season did they re-sign them both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is, what is Malkin getting in Pittsburgh? He's going to be, you know, he's 36. You go down the list. I mean, what guys could be making, um, Giordano's up as well. I I doubt though that that's someone that the Bruins would ever um be in on, but yeah, I mean Hurdle's an interesting one. Raquel, yes. uh, Raquel's been a name the Bruins have been linked to forever. Um F- Philip Forsberg, like there's there's real options there. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm curious if they actually do anything with them though.
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to come down to just what the cap situation is, and it's a tough situation going into next year because again, it just seems like the timing is kind of wonky because, you know, you, you'll have a lot of contracts expiring when it's time to pay Pasternak, but next year you still have a whole bunch of guys still signed by the time these, this region class comes around. So one year you have to expect you're paying a lot for McAvoy and then you still have, you know, Felino, Howola, Smith, Sick, all those guys under contract still. Um, so it kind of limits what you can really do there unless, you know, unless Bergeron's coming back and he's signing for like three million, you free up like three and a half there, and wow. you you know move <laughs> some pieces around. But as a whole, and who knows? Maybe David Krejci will be back by that Ooh, point.
0: Ooh, yeah, you about never that. know. So he could be back.
1: So it's going to be you kind of map it out, and of course, you know we're, we're talking about this you know way in advance. Who knows what cap gymnastics or what injury or LTIR or whatever you want to do that can free up cap space, but you kind of look at this free agent class and you, if you're the Bruins and you're hoping to keep this window open, unless they're looking for just a full blown rebuild, this free agent class offers probably the best chance you have of an immediate talent injection that can keep this window up going, you know, going ahead. And that's not to say that, you know, you have to place all your bets on Barkov coming here. I still imagine Barkov just re-signs with Florida. They got a good situation down there now. So, but even if you get like Thomas hurdle, like, Guy, when he's healthy, he's a 30 goal, 70 plus point guy. Like that's exactly what you need for a 2C. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the Bruins do in terms of that, of how they address it. Because if you're looking for a chance to, to rebuild or, or retool rather that next upcoming free agency class offers the best bet. But priority first is to get McAvoy and eventually Pasternak signed and it's going to cost a pretty penny.
0: Well, they also could, uh, sign Rask. Victor Truth. Rask. Oh We're down the middle. Victor Rask is up next off I'm Just looking at the list now. Victor Rask. Uh that would be something. They sign another Rask. You know, that would be uh that'd be great for Jerseys. I mean you could just if you have Tuka you Rask jersey, you could just put Victor Rask's number over it. It's true. Um maybe he'd get as much hate as Tuca. You know, it'd be the same thing. Probably pick, not, you know, like... but
1: probably, probably pretty close <laughs> though. People <laughs> would, would probably mistake him that they thought that Tuca came back as a forward.
0: Yes, they would think they like who's the Rask is a forward now see the guy doesn't care. He doesn't care yeah. at all about stopping pucks. Um he loves putting pucks in, in the net. Uh anyways, Connor before you go, uh what can the people look forward to over at BSJ?
1: Yeah, we're going to uh start looking at more lineup questions. Uh obviously as we've said multiple times in this podcast, we're in the no man's land part of the off season, so Doing what we can to, to trudge through these last weeks before training camp finally opens up, but we'll be looking at lineup questions, uh, ranking prospects. I think after dev camp, people are excited to see what kind of the next steps are. Um, we've got Fabian Lysel fever. It seems like everyone's, I think I read something where they did like most traffic on elite prospect pages. And I think Fabian Lysel is like fourth there we right are. now. So there you go. So uh we'll be looking at that as well over at BSH. So subscribe at Boston dot com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore ninety-three.
0: Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky. you poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest. Every day.